we're going to talk about the making of Harry Potter today. And not just the movie, I'm going to talk a little bit about how the book was made, too. Quiet on set. And action! Today we're talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I realize all I said earlier was Harry Potter. So, the Harry Potter series was written by J.K. Rowling. To sum up the book in one sentence, it is about a young boy who goes to wizarding school. And that is the synopsis that scriptwriters and I think publishers were given to read as well when deciding whether or not they wanted to take the book and publish it or take the book and turn it into a movie. I'm realizing I should have worn my Hogwarts shirt. Onward. I have a hoodie. Would you like a hoodie? With the Harry Potter glasses on it? Your red hoodie? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I should have brought my Slytherin hoodie home. Uh, I thought you were going to at least part. like wear your Slytherin hat. I didn't think that I have ahead. a Gryffindor hat. I refuse. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Harry Potter is about a boy whose parents are killed by he who must not be named, which is literally what they call him in the first book. He is taken by the headmaster of Hogwarts, Albus Dumbledore, to live with his aunt and uncle, who are muggles, the Dursleys, and their young son, Dudley. He's the same age as Harry. Harry grows up not knowing how his parents died. He's told they died in a car crash, and he's also told that that car crash is where he got his lightning-shaped scar. When he On his 11th birthday, he receives a letter. No. A few days before his birthday, he receives a letter from Hogwarts. It's his acceptance letter. He, his uncle rips it in half, doesn't get it to him. He receives more letters over time, and eventually a bunch of letters just come through the chimney, and they move and end up on an island, and then Hagrid picks him up, and he goes to Hogwarts, where he meets Ron and Hermione. They save Hermione. Ron and Harry save Hermione from a troll. They become buds, find out about the Sorcerer's Stone, and then try to protect it. From Voldemort. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was published in the United Kingdom on June 26th, 1997. 26 years ago. Yep. Wait, 25 years ago. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh. And it was published as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in the United States in 1998. So, 24 and 25 years old. Since then, over 450 million copies have been sold, and it's been translated into over 80 languages. J.K. Rowling came up with the idea of Harry Potter while she was on a train. It was delayed Her train was going from Manchester to London in 1990. So the idea is 32 years old, but the book is 25. Mm. So during the next five years, she planned out the seven-book series, and in 1995, found a home for her story at Bloomsbury. However, before it was accepted for a publication at Bloomsbury... The manuscript for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was offered to at least eight other publishers. 
The manuscript was presented by Bloomsburg employees to their colleagues in the form of a scroll, which I thought was pretty cool. That would be a really long scroll. They do all of them with scrolls? Um, I don't know. I know they did the first one with the scroll, and that's it. Oh, Nigel Newton, uh, the founder and chief executive of Bloomsbury, took it home to his daughter, Alice, who was eight years old at the time. He gave it to Alice, who read the chapters that were in the scroll, and then gave her thoughts to her dad. Overall, she really enjoyed the book, and a note she wrote is in my book across the room. Uh, if you're watching the video, I will insert a picture of the note somewhere on the screen. Hello everyone, Future Huck here. Here's the book I was just talking about, Harry Potter, a, history, a Journey Through a History of Magic. It is by the British Library. Here is a list of contributors for the book. Hopefully that focused in. Uh, if it didn't, I'll put a picture in. And here is the note that Alice wrote her father, Nigel Newton. Hopefully you can see that and hopefully the camera's focusing again. If not, I will insert a picture. And here's what the note says. The excitement in this book made me feel warm inside. I think it is possibly one of the best books an eight slash nine year old could read. Alice Newton. So there's that for you guys and let's get on with the rest of the podcast. The next day, Nigel went to a meeting and approved the proposal of the that the Philosopher's Stone... I really stumbled over those words. <laughs> Nigel went to a meeting the next day and approved the proposal to publish this Philosopher's Stone at Bloomsbury. There we go. When Rowling was writing the book, she would sketch things out as she wrote so she could see the characters and scenes that were taking place in her head. She also sketched out a layout of the Hogwarts grounds for her editor, and she included a little note with that saying that her sketches have always been how she's imagined the layout of the castle and the grounds. So she's always had a very specific way things are supposed to be. And if they're not that way, then the story doesn't work. Because that's how she planned her story, kind of around that events happened around how it was laid out. So if one thing moved, then it just doesn't make sense. So yeah. There are illustrated versions of the book as well. And the man who illustrated the pictures in that book... Uh, is a man named Jim Kay. In the first book and film, Harry, Ron, and Hermione spend a significant amount of time trying to find out who Nicholas Flamel is, and eventually they discover that he is an alchemist, and he is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. And fun fact, Nicholas Flamel is a character based on a very real person. He was once thought to be an alchemist, but he never actually made a Philosopher's Stone. He lived in Paris as a landlord and a bookseller with his wife, Paranel, I think is how you say it. 
he lived there in Paris with his wife until he died in 1418. He was buried at the church of Saint-Jacques de la Boucherie in Paris. I probably butchered that. I really tried, but... <laughs> but you don't speak French. Nope. And when Rowling was researching for her book, when she was coming up with, like, names and stuff for the plants and potions ingredients, she used this book called Culpepper's Herbal Book, which isn't- I don't think it's the only book she used. I think there's another one in the- that the book I used mentioned that she used, but- she has two copies of this book, so I figured it was more important than the other one she used. Mm. Two copies. Yeah, she has an old one, and then it in it it said that she received like a new looking copy from the publishing company. Mm. So, yeah, two copies. And then when she was trying to figure out how the kids were going to be sorted into their houses. Before she landed on a sorting cat, she had several different ideas of how the kids could be sorted into their houses, and a few of them are statues of the original heads of houses coming to life and selecting students they want in their houses. Prefects would choose students for their houses. The students would receive a question or a riddle and a hat, which is obviously what she ended up using. And the writing on top of the Mirror of Erised is written in mirror writing. And I've read this book four times and watched the movie so many times and I never realized that until I read that fact in my little book. Your little book across the room? Yeah. Would you like to know what it says backwards? What? It says, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. It's funny. Dumbledore asks Harry what the mirror shows, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> literally says. <laughs> and it's literally right there. <laughs> you know what's ironic about that? It's mirror writing on top of a mirror. So, yeah, what you see on the mirror is this backwards, but it would take a bit to decipher, because... You mean you can't read backwards no, 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 perfectly? No, 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 no. This isn't written backwards exactly like this. The S from heart is connected to desire. Two or one or two letters from each word is connected to the word that like comes after it. I'm looking it up. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. It's written like like you would read it and you'd be like, "Wow, that looks very um it looks weird. It looks like gibberish." Also, I just realized Erised backwards is desire. Uh-huh. The mirror of Erised means the mirror of desire. Oh my gosh. J.K. Rowling. She's a genius. Erised, straw, efru, oit. Okay, so the S from heart is not on desire. Atru, oit, un, woshi. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Like word scramble, but not word scramble. My very last thing about the book. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was the only book out of the seven that she wrote for the series that she typed on her old electric typewriter. And she would often take 
ideas that she had originally for other books and reuse it in a later book. So I read a conversation that was supposed to be, I think, in the first book. Fudge was in it, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do know that that conversation that I read was supposed to be, I think, in the first book, and it actually ended up in the fifth book with a couple changes made to it. So in the original draft where it was supposed to be in the Philosopher's Stone, uh, Fudge was a muggle, but when it's used in the fifth book, he's the Minister of Magic. Mm. And the conversation, it was about Voldemort, and there's a brief description about Voldemort in it. And originally, Voldemort was like this short little man with red eyes. And the red eyes stayed. The red eyes are used to describe him in the book series. And that's the only thing that stayed, but in that draft he was a little dwarf, I think is what it said, with red eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Scary. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine being afraid of that. It does explain a little bit why he lost to an infant. Well, but he's not a short man in the final. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Dude lost to a baby. But he only lost to him because his mother sacrificed himself for him, so... Sacrificed herself. His mother sacrificed herself for him. <laughs> He's going to sacrifice himself. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Not me. Not Hermione. You. <laughs> Not me. Not Hermione. You. I hate how accurate that was. That was scary accurate. You sound like a little British boy. <laughs> yeah, that's what you... Uh, hold on. I've calmed down now. Moving on. <laughs> that's all I had about the book. I'm now going to move on to the movie. Do you have anything you would like to say before I... Just jump into it. No, because you told me not to worry about pre production That's right, I did. I'm going to start with scripting, because we've already got the book. And I probably honestly should start with the producer, because the producer is the one who gets all these people together. But I'm not. I'm starting with the script and the script writer instead. The screenplay was written by Steve Cloves. He is a writer, director, and producer. He started working on the screenplay for the first Harry Potter film in the late 90s. As a screenwriter, he received envelopes from his agency, and these envelopes contained synopsises of novels that had the potential to be used to make films. Often he would receive these envelopes and he'd just ignore them, but one day, for some reason, he didn't. He got this envelope, and he said he doesn't know why, but he opened this particular envelope that arrived on whatever day. He went through all the synopsises very quickly, and he was unpersuaded by any of them until he came to the very last one. And the very last one was for a book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by an author he had never heard of, J.K. Rowling, and he said it had a fanciful title 
And the author's name, I think he also said, was fanciful, like the title of the book. Cloves was unpersuaded by the name of the book, but his eyes fell down to the log line. And if you don't know what a log line is, a log line is a synopsis of a synopsis which comes with the synopsis. Goodness. How many times can I say synopsis in one sentence? Maybe a few more. You Let's you find try out. Again. <laughs> Anyways, it read, a young boy goes to wizard school. Cloves wasn't much of a fantasy guy, but when he read this line, it hit him a little bit differently, and he read it again, and then the next thing he knew, he was in a bookstore looking for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. He found a copy with the help of the owner of the shop. He was convinced to buy this book after he read the very first line of the book. Would you like to know what the very first line of the book is? Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal, thank you very much. He was convinced to buy it after he read that line of the book, and then he took it back to work, where he read- where he started reading it during his lunch break. After reading 30 pages, he called his agent to tell him that he wanted to do this book that he wanted this book to be his next project. He said to his agent that the book was special, and that if it stayed special, he wanted to do it. The book did stay special, and if you ask me, it is still special. And that is how Steve Cloves joined the making of the Harry Potter film. Moving on to the producer, David Heyman. In the winter of 1997, Heyman's assistant went into his office with an unpublished manuscript by an unknown first-time author that she liked. She recommended it to him, and he was skeptical at first, but he took it home and decided to read a few pages before he went to bed that night. He ended up staying up till four in the morning reading the book. And he finished it. He loved it, and he knew he had to make it into a film. So the next morning, he sent a copy of it to his childhood friend, Lionel Wingram, Wigram, an executive at Warner Bros., and a few weeks later, negotiations to get the rights to the book were underway. He met Joe Rowling a few weeks later. The deal was closed, and the book was published by then, and found out... She was excited about the possibility of a film. Who? He met who? Rowling? Joe. Who was that? J.K. Rowling. Okay, thank you. And even though he found out she was excited about the film, he still reassured her that he wished to keep the film as faithful as possible to the book and said that she was a great collaborator. <laughs> After that, he set out to find a screenwriter, which we already went over. Copies of first editions were sent to many writers, all of which rejected the project except for Steve Cloves. And I think they're lucky he even saw it. <laughs> After he found a screenwriter, he began looking for a director, and he hired Chris Columbus in March 2000. Chris Columbus, who was introduced to the book by his daughter, knew immediately that he wanted to make it a movie. He said he saw the world in his head, he saw the movie in his head, but when he 
asked his agent to look into it, he was met with quite the discouraging response from his agent, who told him to get in line, as lots of other directors also wanted the project, among which were Terry Gilla Gilliam? Gilliam? Is that how you say that? Terry Gilliam. Jonathan Dem, I think is how you say that. Alan Parker and Steven Spielberg and the guy- M. Night Shyamalan. And that guy who Steven Spielberg recommended, right? He was one of them, yeah. The reason I made a point to mention him is he's one of the most famous horror directors. Yeah. Imagine Harry Potter by that guy. The tone of the first one would be Not the a- same tone mm-hmm. as the last couple. Mm-hmm. I can't see it as a Steven Spielberg movie either. Well, Steven Spielberg wanted it to be an animated film. Haley Joel Osment as the voice of Harry Potter. Haley Joel Osment was the icy dead people kid. <laughs> Moving on. After meeting with David Heyman and Warner Bros, Chris talked passionately about how he saw the film and the position was his. After finding a director and getting a script, the only thing left to do was casting. He said that like it's a small task. <laughs> it's quite the daunting task, actually. It took them a very long time to find someone to play Harry. But I'm not going to talk about that yet, because I have two more stories for you. Production designer Stuart Craig's first meeting with J.K. Rowling, he asked her basic questions about the world, and to answer his questions, J.K. took she took a pen and a piece of paper and drew out a map of Hogwarts for him and then handed it to him. And that's how she answered his questions. She she only took a few minutes to draw this, too. Like, she already knew exactly where everything was supposed to go and exactly how everything was supposed to look. And everything on that map had to be there. Like, everything on it was there for a, a reason. And that is that story. On to the last one. John Seal was the director of photography. He was approached by executive producer of the film, Duncan Henderson about signing on to Harry Potter while he was in London, scouting for a new project. Now, he's not a London native. He's from Australia. So that's why I say while he was in London. Seal bought the book and read it on the flight back to Australia. And when he landed, he immediately called Henderson to sign on to the project. So now we've got all those people signed on to the film. Oh, look. I have the budget at the top. Should I say that now or save it? Say it now. Say it now. The budget they were given for this movie was 125 million U.S. dollars. It's important to say U.S. dollars because it's different in pounds, which is what it was... All filmed in the U.K., so it's gotta be pounds. (laughs) I think it said it was like 100... No. 1 million pounds? I don't remember. So, 125 million in 1997 is 224. Wait, 125 million in 1997 is 224 million dollars now, which is 171.5 million pounds in today. In today, 
If you know how much it was in 1997, feel free to comment and let us know. Anyways, once you had all, once we have all those people signed on and they've probably got the rest of the cast, not cast, they've probably got the rest of the crew <clears throat> or the majority of it signed on at this point as well. After they've got all of those people signed on though, the daunting task of casting for the film. And we'll get into that in the next episode. This is probably going to be a three-part episode. We'll see. It might be a two-part episode, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a three-part. So we'll find out next time when we talk. We'll start talking about casting in the next episode and go from there. Thank you all for listening or for watching. You know all the socials. Follow us on Instagram at at Action Podcast, which is also our TikTok handle. And we'll be on YouTube with uh, Huck and Scrappy. Mm, this has its own channel. Follow our socials and subscribe to our, our YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Amazon Music. Amazon Music. Literally anywhere that you can think of to find a podcast. If you have a rock that has any kind of Spotify or anything on it, you can listen to us on there. All right, we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. It didn't stop. <laughs> Why isn't it stopping? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. See you all in the next one.